It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast that will hereby be known as Brad Robbins Mustache Express, and you can't tell us otherwise because it's our podcast. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Brad Robbins Mustache, excuse me, Andrew Bailey, the human tea kettle and the spout of optimism. Andy, how you doing And week one victory week, sir? feeling good sir i've half drank dr pepper over here my socks are off i'm ready to go that's a man that's enjoying himself enjoys the finer parts of life and we are enjoying ourselves after a 51 to 7 beatdown. no surprises they were pushovers but still happy that uh, after a game like that we can come together and just have some laughs enjoy a couple cocktails you're over there with a dr pepper i understand and respect it though uh I believe I'll be enjoying uh, Modelo, as Sir Desmond Howard recommended. But how you feeling in Victory Week, man? That's good, dude. Um, you and I were talking off air about how it's kind of funny how we're like, man, eh, we can clean this up. We can fix that a little bit. Just negating the fact that it was the largest opening day victory since 2016. We hang a 50-burger like it was nothing with ease. Starters barely played it all in the second half. All rotational, in and out. It's exactly what you want from an opening game, man. You see the kinks that need to be shaken out throughout the season, but overall it's just plus, plus, plus everywhere you look. It was a lot of good to take from it. We will get into that. Let's do some quick hits first. First quick hits, pretty important, probably more than a quick hit, but uh, this is a Michigan podcast, so we want to leave plenty of room to talk about Michigan. But the playoff format will be moving to 12 teams. This was voted on on Friday. Still some things that need to be worked out, but uh, it does sound like it is going to happen. And as soon as next year, 
uh, or as soon as 2024, actually, um, is what I've heard. I've heard conflicting reports. Like I said, it's not exactly official yet, but this is a huge, huge move, and Michigan may never miss the playoff again. This is joyous news. You know, I love it. I love they're still going to value the conferences with the, I mean, obviously this is going to change with realignment, but conference champions receive the automatic bid then six at larges. I'm sure they'll space it out appropriately because there's no reason we should have a month off from the big 10 championship and the playoff game. That's just, just kind of silly when you think about it with scheduling purposes. So no, man, I'm excited. This is great. And like you said, Michigan may never miss it again. Uh, per Clayton Safi on Twitter, had this been in place since 1969, Michigan would have been to the playoff 27 out of 53 years, which is just over half the time. Uh, and some of those years were Hoke and Rodriguez years. So, I mean, with competency reestablished in Michigan, yeah, I mean, you can expect us to finish in the top 12 more years than not, if that's the case. And uh, the way it looks is the top four teams will get buys. So last year we would have gotten a buy and the way that it would have shaken out means we probably would have faced Ohio State again. So it does open up the door for like some some rematches and things like that. And and there will be some really bad ones like Georgia versus Oregon, which happened uh over the over the weekend, which was really bad. You're going to have some of that, but then you're going to have some really interesting ones as well. So I'm for it. I think it's better for the sport. Um, you know, more games is is really cool way to do it. And you're still going to want to angle for those top four spots. Yeah, and like blowouts are going to happen. The one four game is notorious for having blowouts. I mean, Michigan Georgia this year it wasn't a great game, so that's still going to happen. But you're going to have home playoff games. There's going to be some intrigue in the first round. So. I think it's just going to be just great, just more high-quality football, more fun matchups, uh, kind of bring the schedule closer to, like I alluded to before. And, yeah, man, Michigan-Ohio State rematch and like could have happened last year. Or imagine 2016 if there had been the rematch after the JT was short call when I believe Michigan was ranked fifth or sixth uh, in the final college football playoff poll. So, yeah, it's, it's just going to be so much fun, just more excitement, and I think it's just a win for college football. Yes, I definitely agree. And another part of it that I wanted to touch on is like for like Notre Dame, who lost uh, to Ohio State in a game where, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit there at the end of this one. But, you know, their season's basically over and that's not really cool. I mean, th- there should be things to play for beyond week one for some of these teams. I mean, to just be like, well, all right, now the best we can hope for is a Rose Bowl. And then you lose two games and it's like we don't even really need to watch anymore. And you can like the ratings will really dip for teams after one loss. And then after two loss, they'll dip again. So, I mean, this is going to keep fans engaged longer. So just from like an individual team perspective, I think it's better. It's going to keep you engaged longer into the season. Yeah, and it rewards conference champions and winners and screws Notre Dame. So they need to sack up and join a conference. Been saying it. Been saying it for 10 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's on them. That's totally on them. I was doing my uh, my piece on the offensive and defensive lines, which is on Mason Brugo, and check that out. Excellent but, read. Oh, thanks, man. And uh, just couldn't like give them the nod over anybody because they don't really get any conference awards. And yet they're eligible for some ACC, like first team, second team awards in the ACC. And I'm like, but you're not in the ACC. So I don't understand why people would coddle to this program just because they've been around for a long time. We've been around for a long time. You know, so is Northwestern. Yale's been around for a long time. Why would you why would you bend the rules or bend what you're normally doing to fit Notre Dame? But I digress. I agree with you. I think it's better to go with 12, especially since the top four are going to get a bye. And uh, you're going to get some good matchups and you're going to get some matchups that are blowouts. But more football, I'm never going to be against that. 
Yeah, it's <clears throat> similar to the NFL style format where it's spaced out. And just like in the NFL playoffs, you still have blowouts. I mean, take Buffalo, New England last year, for example, where Buffalo had the perfect offensive game and just smacked them. Like, that's still going to happen. Those are not excluded from this format. But like you said, just more intrigue, more football, keeps teams engaged longer throughout the season. And we'll also have more teams not resting players in bowl games because there's still something to play for. So that could also increase the level of competition. 100%. Uh, other quick hits. Uh, on Saturday, Milan Bolden Morris became the first female grad assistant to take the field with a college football program. Uh, Got to give props to her. Props to Michigan for making that happen. She's got an absolute cannon on her, too. Uh, Mike Morris's cousin, I believe, as well. So that's pretty awesome. Leaders and best. Michigan just being cutting edge. Um, I'm all for it. Yeah, cousin or sister, one or the other. It's great to see, man. It's awesome. Harbaugh's always been very forward-thinking with these positions as well. So, no, man, this is a great all, like, all in all. I had that great clip of her on the sideline, hands on the knees, just, like, dialed in, eyes moving around left to right. So, no, man, it's fascinating, and I think it's just the beginning of women in those positions. Football gal, and we support it. Um, um, other quick hits, Ryan Hayes, Carson Barnhow, Bar Barnhart, excuse me, and Nakai Hill Green were all out last week. Barnhart went out during the game with a sprained ankle. He is officially out for Hawaii as of this morning. We don't know about Hayes and Nakai Hill Green yet. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, offensive line had to adjust, and they did so admirably. We'll, we'll touch on that when we get into the game breakdown. Um, any concerns with any of these people uh, or any of these guys being out? Let me sum it up really quick. No. Okay. They don't call him the best color man <laughs> in sports for nothing, people. Uh, yeah, we need to get him back eventually, um, and especially on the offensive line. I would like to see the full line at full strength here sooner rather than later. But for these first couple of games, we don't need him. Rest him up. Barnhart with a sprained ankle, which when I sprained my ankle back in 2017, I don't think I was ever right again after that. I can still tell which one I sprained. But these elite Division One athletes like, and and what they have and like the, the way that they're going to rehab it. I mean, I rehabbed mine with like tequila and, you know, college football and, and Buffalo wings. I'm sure they're going to have a better rehab plan for Barnhart to get him back as soon as it's necessary. Yeah, you did yours as God intended. I do the same. Like we should always just relate our own personal injuries to football players. But oh, I dislocated my shoulder once drunk playing kickball. So I know what he's going through. Right. Yeah. And be like, and what was your rehab? Like I laid in bed for a couple nights and then the next morning, uh, I woke up and went and had brunch and drank 30 mimosas. So pretty standard, really <laughs> put enough Vicodin in my mashed potatoes to knock out a horse. So, you know, it was you a good day. It. Pretty <laughs> solid. All things considered. Yeah. So I haven't heard about the Nakai Hill green one. Uh, Michael Barrett filled in admirably for him, but that's one to keep an eye on. Hopefully he can get back. Don't really know what he was held out for, but Harbaugh would have come out if it was like season ending or even multiple games. So I'm thinking these are all like uh, hurt, not injured would be my best guess for a lot of these guys. And Hayes could return for Hawaii, but do we even need him? Like, to be honest, we could we could yeah. run over Hawaii with you and I at left tackle and right tackle. The thing is with these, like you don't need them to get the victory, but you definitely want them, you know, get the rust off, get a few reps in there before the real games of like Maryland and Iowa start. But no, this is a time to get healthy, bring them up to full strength, up to speed and, and nothing more. There will be there will definitely be like a rep limit for most of the first teamers this week. 
I'm with you. Uh, last quick hit. We had Devin Gardner on the call for FS1, Jake Butt over on the Big Ten Network, some Michigan guys really becoming uh, pretty prominent now in the announcing field. Devin Gardner throws heat, I'm telling you. Check him out on an FS1 game if you can. Um, he's just energetic, like a lot, lot of fire coming from him. And he obviously he's smart. Like he's quarterbacks are really good at this because they have to read the defense and have to know what's going on with the offense. So in general, those guys end up being really good. And I think he'll be good. Jake Butt, psh- I mean, we don't have enough time to talk about the esteem we hold Jake Butt in here. He's also going to be really good uh, over on the Big Ten Network. And then we had RG3 for the UM broadcast. How did you feel about RG3? I mean, uh, Jake Butt also, shout out, friend of the pod. Uh, RG3 was great. I, I really enjoyed the energy he brought. It was different. He's getting his reps, so of course there's going to be some bumps in the road. But it's just so much better than the vanilla play calling you see from like lesser, like less prominent announcers that would like be on these noon games sometimes. So it was fun. He brought cultural references in, energetic, and just he seemed like he was having a good time. And that kind of energy is palpable and infectious for a listening, viewing audience. I'm with you. All good things. Uh, Jason Avant also now on the Michigan sidelines doing some of the sideline reports. And I was a huge Avant guy back in his day. So really pulling for him. All right, let's talk uh, actual Michigan football. I know you're ready. I just flipped the camera back on and see that you've removed your shirt. So I know that you're ready to talk. Look at the man flex. Look at him. (laughs) All right, it's time. 51 to 7 in week one. Uh, You're welcome to those of you that bet uh, covering the spread. That was my pound the table week one. We did cover. Hopefully you made some money on that. The spread for Hawaii, uh, a little bit larger after that. But um, that was, uh, I mean, a great, great victory. Give me your initial thoughts on the 51 to 7 win versus Colorado State. Team effort all the way around. It was just a bunch of guys filling in at positions, like filling in for the stars. Like Hassan Haskins isn't coming back to rush for five touchdowns. Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, Dax Hill aren't coming back to anchor a defense that's star-laden. No, it was a complete team effort. 15 different players caught passes. There were seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss spread out among a plethora of players, newcomers, veterans. It was just awesome to see, man. Like Outside of the larger narrative at the quarterback position, which we'll get to, everything else was encouraging because of the depth. Yeah, uh, 15 players catching a pass and nobody catching more than two is borderline insane. Um, I mean, good luck for those of us. Uh, shout out to, to Jimbo Peters, uh, whose uh, team name is here for the orgy. Now I believe it's orgy in the end zone um, is the new team name for him. Uh, but difficult to, to pin down who the leading receiver is. That's crazy that 15 people caught passes. Uh, defense forced t- two turnovers with 82 return yards and a defensive touchdown. Uh, great Great effort play by DJ Turner, locking it in for me buying the DJ Turner jersey, by the way. They allowed 3.7 yards per play, zero penalties on defense, held CSU to 2 of 11 on third downs. Defense scored as many points as the CSU offense. Um, Not a ton put on tape by the Michigan offense, so I would have to say defense probably carries the day. Um, But that could have been by design. You know, we didn't need to do much on offense to win this one. And uh, very encouraged by what I saw from the defense. Yeah, very vanilla offensive play calling. And you and I were saying this is the best and the worst. It's the worst because 
you know, we just want to see some action, something cool, some little of this, little of that. And it was all just kind of very straightforward, basic concepts. But that's great because you don't need to be emptying the bag against Colorado State. You want to keep some things in the hip pocket for the Iowas, the uh, Michigan States, Penn States, Ohio States. And overall, like I think the <clears throat> one of the biggest points is how well coached this team is top to bottom. Like you mentioned the penalties, just the discipline, no pre-snap screw-ups, especially having like a new center two quarterbacks back there, a rotating offensive line, a lot of personnel groupings to remember, and everyone just just so locked in and focused. It was just very encouraging to see because it's what everyone was talking about in the offseason inside Schimbeckler Hall was that this is a continuation of last year. We want to take the next step, and that's exactly what it looked like. This is why you keep a coaching staff intact, and I know that we've had a lot of changes below Jim Harbaugh on the staff but the continuity of bringing him back is going to allow things like year-to-year improvement, and I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, you heard it from the Big Ten analysts. You heard it from uh, RG3, who was calling the game, that this is now a team that's reloading, not rebuilding, and I totally agree. Uh, let's give out some game balls, and then we've got like kind of a new segment, new way to look at it, at least this week. We're going to try it out, try it out for size, see how we like it. You wrote your article on Maze and Brew giving out your game balls want to let you ruminate on that. So who do you got for game balls in this one? Yeah, I gave out three for this one, and my three selections were uh, Oluoluatimi, just stepping into the first time, being a complete road grader in the run game, holding up very well in pass pro, and just kind of like bringing his own chemistry to a line that kept changing in and out players due to injury and different circumstances. I thought he played exceptionally well in his first start in the big house. Uh, second game ball was Mozzie Smith. I thought he was a catalyst of chaos out there. Everything Oof. that all the double teams he brought allowed so much freedom on the edges for one-on-one matchups, either with power of Derek Moore, the speed of Anoma, just so many options. But it started with him. And the last game ball has to be Ronnie Bell. 366 days now, 366 days ago, he was injured. Now he's back in the big house, made a catch, got a standing ovation. I am so happy for Ronnie Bell. Yeah, one of the more beloved guys on the team. I agree with pretty much everything. You could have given out a lot for this game. I'll give my three. Mozzie Smith is definitely one. And uh, if you're wondering why, like when I watched this game uh, on defense, I was pretty much locked in on Mozzie Smith. I was like, I think that's the best player on the defense. So that's where my eyes went most of the time. And he was double teamed almost every play. The one time I saw him uh, singled up, he got a sack on it. So this is a guy that I think is going to draw double teams all year. And he's going to open things up for those guys on the outside who we're going to talk about more in detail as we get through this. Uh, How about Junior Colson leading the team in tackles with 10? Uh, I was a little worried because we had the Cam McGrone, Jake Ryan, crazy good freshman year and then they dropped off so I was like a little nervous because Colson's been my boy for a long time I don't think we're going to have that with Colson I think he's going to be an absolute stud Uh, another shout out to Michael Barrett who filled in for Nakia Hill Green really well Uh, Donovan Edwards Donovan Edwards who you know you look at you're like oh he's our speed back not the case not so fast my friend Donovan Edwards is strong and actually runs through contact extremely extremely well Um, So I I was pretty impressed with him Um, and uh, Zach Zinter unheralded right there next to Olu and Olu and Zach Zinter were your best two players on the offensive line. The other guys kind of had to move around a lot. Trent A. Jones now being the official first starter at right tackle, um, you know, okay game, but not 
not game ball worthy. So uh, I'll give it to Zach Zinter there for quiet excellence there. But you could give out a ton of them on this one. I mean, Rod Moore with the interception, DJ Turner sticking with the play and, and picking that up and returning it when everyone thought that that play was dead. That was an outstanding play and pretty much sealed their fate. Uh, Roman Wilson, awesome on the 61-yard touchdown. I mean, that dude is absolutely electric. And yeah, we're, we're going to talk about all of them as we move through this podcast. But just, it's it's hard to pick somebody that had a bad game. Yeah, defensively especially, you could really just pick a name out of a hat. And on special teams, Jake Moody going three for three, some tough angle kicks, but getting the early reps. Brad Robbins averaged 47 yards a punt in this one on his two punt attempts. I mean, just come all the way around, man. It was just very pleasant to see certain people. And we're going to get more into which ones really stood out or which ones you want to see more from later on. But uh, overall, this is about everything you could expect and want from a week one game. Yeah, and Brad Robbins also looking like a turn-of-the-century railroad tycoon, like a basically a cartoon character of a man who's also just like a team leader. Everybody seems to love him, donating his uh, money to to help uh, to Mots um, over there to help children. Um, you know, I mean, this is just a Michigan guy, uh, a, a guy that probably wouldn't get talked about a lot because he's a punter on a team that's going to have an awesome offense. But yeah, we're here for Brad Robbins, hence why the podcast is now known as the Brad Robbins Mustache Express. Um, we're going to get into a new segment here. We want to find different ways to talk about the game because you've got a million podcast options. We want to offer something different. But uh, this different approach brought to you by Homefield Apparel, who we've been with now for several years. Got to give them their shout out. I have some apparel waiting for me when I return from Panama because I need some new stuff. I've got to keep it fresh. And they have the selection that you need. Old school, new school designs and you can get 20% off your first purchase when you go to homefieldapparel.com use the code MNB all right this segment to talk about it is called are we sure and I'm gonna throw some at you here and we can talk about them as long or as in-depth as you want I got nothing going on brother I'm here to talk Michigan football today so are we sure there's no way you get better at rushing the passer when you lose Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. That was the biggest, are we sure, like Jim Harbaugh? You sure we're going to be a better defense? Are we sure he's wrong? <laughs> it's uh, We are not sure because this the way they're de deploying this strategy of using units to rush the passer, different sizes, body types, skill sets, and the way Jesse Minter's calling games. Definitely a little more blitz happy at times than Mike McDonald. Somewhere in between Mike McDonald's anti-blitz strategy, except for the safety occasionally, and Don Brown's, we're going to blitz every play and play man defense. Like, it's a nice mix, and he does a lot of exotic things, exotic zones, bringing safeties, bringing nickels. So I think they found a nice recipe to at least, like, you know, replicate the uh, what we had last year. Because last year, what, we have 34 sacks? 34 sacks. That is correct. Yes, sir. Seven in week one. We're probably going to have like 10 against Hawaii and then hell, we're halfway there. So um, Crazy. no, I, I I am not sure. So this team actually might be better at rushing the passer as a team. All right. Next, are we sure? Headed your way, sir. Braden McGregor and Ayabe Anoma aren't your two best pass rushers. Are we sure? I am not sure again. Um, you're going to touch on Jalen Harrell, who you really talked me into. I've got to rewatch. I only rewatched the highlights. I haven't rewatched the entire game yet. 
Uh, but you really talked me into Harrell. PFF had Harrell as being uh, the best graded out player on the defense, as well as Michigan, putting that out there. And I trust that way more when it's coming from the coaches saying Harrell was the guy. It was tough to get a beat on it because every single sack, there was like three guys in on it. Uh, but I will say Braden McGregor had the inside swim move, and I thought I was watching Hutchinson again. Like, it's just, if Aiden Hutchinson is the Jedi, the tatted up McGregor is the Sith Lord. And, I mean, he's like the Iggy Braz to Franz Wagner, you know, just like, oh, it's just evil version of him. And not that he's evil. I don't know that he's out there, like, you know, punching kids or anything. But just, like, he looks like he's the bad boy version of it. Um, so he had some really good moves in the arsenal. And then I will say Ayabi Anoma's sack was the most physically dominant sack. I mean, him or Mozzie Smith. Ayabi Anoma is a different level of athlete. Let me go ahead and throw another person out there with physical sack. Isn't Derek Moore on a three-man rush just took a tackle and just moved him to the other side and was like, excuse me, sir, I'm going to go hit this quarterback now. So You're, you're in my way, kind sir. Uh, drew a holding and then still got the sack, was held for like a second, and was like, you know what, I I've had enough of this. Uh, Derek Moore, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, are we sure about nepotism on a coaching staff? Because for every Belichick son and Brian Ferentz over at Iowa, who uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the Big Ten, you've got Jay Harbaugh's and Kyle Shanahan. What What is our take on nepotism on a coaching staff? Are we sure it's bad? Are we sure it's good? It's case by case. And with Jay Harbaugh, if you go back through his resume, the things he had to do to earn his keep, uh, beginning working with the Ravens, obviously he got in the door, I think it was the Ravens, got in the door because of, I mean, John, but he started like mopping floors in the weight room, just doing all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Like, I mean, just literally like started from the gutter and grinded his way up by doing a good job at each level. And now he's the best special teams coordinator in the country. And you saw from the LSU Florida State game last night, don't take special teams for granted. Man. Uh, yeah, great point. I wanted to touch on that. Like our special teams being as good as they are and being ranked the number one unit is uh, is something that we need to not take for granted, something that we need to praise and talk about. So we will do so more on this podcast. All right. What do you got for me? Next one. Are we sure Roman Wilson isn't wide receiver one? Fascinating. And this is going to, we're going to talk a little bit about it when we get to the quarterback discussion. Uh, Cornelius Johnson probably comes in if Cade McNamara is your quarterback and you assume that they're going to bring back uh, that dynamic that they had together. Um, not Cornelius Johnson's fault that the ones, the balls that came to him in this game were not well thrown, but Roman Wilson got his opportunity and made the most of it and looked absolutely electric. Uh, upon rewatch, when we were going back, uh, through last year's tape, we were kind of starting to lean this way. Uh, I'm not sure he's not wide receiver one. He very well may be um, great hands and knows what to do with it when he gets the ball. So yeah, he very well could end up being wide receiver number one. He's, it's basically him or Ronnie Bell at this point is the way I'm thinking about it. Um, any thoughts on that before I hit you with one? God, the Ronnie Bell block that sprung Roman Wilson on that play. Oh boy. I think I'm with you though. I think it's those two for wide receiver one. I think so as well. Um, are we sure Mozzie Smith and junior Colson isn't the new Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean from last year. God. Sorry. I got to crush that comment up and snort it in my bloodstream so I can digest it faster. That was, Oh God, dude. I hope so. I want it to be so bad. Like there's flashes of certain things early on. Obviously, like you and I have been bitten in the ass before from the Minnesota 2020 game, but this is not that team. This is not them 
So, man, we, we were talking during it, like, look at Mozzie disrupt everything. Look at Junior flying around all over the place, looking as complete of a linebacker as we've had at Michigan. So I'm not saying they're not, not saying they are, but we're going to see. Yeah, that's high level to get to, but uh, we might be talking about that uh, as the season progresses. Next one. Are we sure Donovan Edwards isn't the better runner through contact? One game against an inferior opponent, so I don't want to get there yet, but I was very surprised with how strong Donovan Edwards looks after taking the first hit. Um, I expected to see Corum kind of be that guy where he's getting the bulk, like we've said, and I will continue to say, we're not getting Hassan Haskins. He's not coming. We probably should have cloned him while we had him. I'm sure we have the resources at Michigan. Uh, you know, we could have had him in, in 18 years from now. We could have been, uh, you know, Houston All and, and Hassan Haskins 2.0. But we don't. So we've got to have somebody that can take the bulk of the carries. And I still think that that's Blake Corum. But Donovan Edwards might actually be the stronger guy, which is crazy to say. I don't know. How do you see that? I don't know yet. I, I want to see a little bit more through contact. Uh, Edwards did look really good. Uh, Corum just remains super elusive. Like the first man is never going to take him down, especially in space. Like the way he can juke and change direction. The hurdle channeled his inner Hassan Haskins Oof. for a hurdle in this one so um i don't know yet i think this one remains to be seen i think there is a definitely a battle between those two but god what a what a luxury to have this one a and one double a running back situation and with cj stokes hot on the heels oh cj stokes who we'll have to touch on looked really good does anyone know i mean granted i'm only talking to you here so do you know when he did the the hurdle blake corum hassan haskin was in attendance is that who he pointed to yes. when he did the hurdle i really hope yes. that's the case oh my god yes. just give me a second i need to i need to ruminate i need to marinate on that for a second that's amazing um yeah i mean hassan haskins hurdle is now something that's pretty legendary at michigan and corum may have taken a page out of his book and I mean, it's just electricity to watch, so I'm here for it. Uh, oh, statue idea. We, statue idea. Yes, we, that's the statue Haskins idea. brown hurdle, the Ohio State hurdle. I'm there for it. I'm, I mean, I will be there. I will throw uh, whatever I can throw towards a, a good statue guy. Anyone know a good statue guy in Michigan? You got a statue guy? Well, I'll start Googling it. <laughs> last, uh, last, are we sure? Are we sure special teams isn't the overall best unit on the team? I think this is something we've been dancing around for several podcasts because like, it's just kind of boring to say that I think it is, man. Like we have the Lou Groza award-winning kicker. We have a punter who just averaged 47 yards per punt, which was good enough for fifth in the country last year. Like our return team is excellent blocking coverage skills, punt blocks last year with uh, Cornelius Johnson. I think it has to be, man. It's just a, such a high level of excellence. Yeah, and I mean, when your punter looks like Czar Nicholas II, like that adds a lot to it. We don't even know what we have as far as returners yet, but my gut tells me we've got some elite returners. And uh, I mean, we've got really good units, offense and defense, but there's no gaps. There's no flaws on the special teams unit. So I'm there with you. I mean, and let's, like we said, LSU lost due to special teams. I mean, they would have probably won that outright pretty handedly if it weren't for that. So let's not sleep on it. Jay Harbaugh, um, are we sure he's not the coach in waiting? That's not a real one, but let's, let's just keep that in mind. Yeah, Jay Harbaugh is going to be a head coach someday. He's going to be a good one. And don't let the fact that Brad Robbins look like somebody that will steal your land and overly tax you for it later on distract <laughs> you from the fact that he's a great punter. 
Look, I mean, that's a guy that uh, that might put 20 down on Broadway. I mean, he looks like the Monopoly guy, but uh, punts like the best in the nation. We're absolutely here for it. Um, all right, let's do a little over-under here. We can go pretty quickly through this. This is easy. Uh, over-under, any player over 10 sacks this year? Over. I feel very comfortable. I think someone's going to go over. It's going to be a very contested race, but I think as the real games start to come into play, you'll see lesser guys out there, not as heavy as a rotation. There will still be a rotation, but uh, if you're going to bet on somebody, bet on Harrell, Anoma, especially as he knows the offense more. I'll go under. I think it's going to be a lot of people around five to seven range, and that's going to be awesome. If you have a lot of people at five to seven, it's probably better than uh, last year. We had one at 14 and one at 11 with uh, Ojaba, which was awesome. But if you can mix it up, that's great. Uh, over or under one year at Michigan for a Noma. It's it's push. It's one year. This is the well, year. Yeah, it can't gone. be under. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the year. And I think he's gone and I think he should be. He might play his way into being a top 10 pick. Yeah, just let him eat, and I mean, that was a physical, physical sack. It was like, oh my gosh, uh, that is a crazy athlete. I mean, that's Rashawn Gary-level athleticism. Just, I mean, it pops, it pops. Uh, Over or under 46.3 yards per punt for Brad Robbins this year. That was his average last year. Over, baby, at 47 this week. He's gotten better. Uh, It's just just hard for the offense. They really stall out, like, deep in their own zone, so it's hard to have, like, punts that far. But when he has the opportunity, he's going to pummel that thing. I'm I'm with you there. Uh, Over, under 40 punts. We had 45 last year. Oh, under 40. That is – man, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to say over. I'm just going to say over last year, it seemed like the team never really punted. But there are times and games where Michigan stalls out offensively last season when you go back and rewatch like Nebraska or Rutgers early on in the year or first halves against like Wisconsin and other games and be slow starting teams. So although that's still like a, that's a very low number, and I think this offense has the potential to be better, I'm going to say it goes over. It's tough because there was also two extra games last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got to take that into account. Um, yeah, I, I would say I'm going to say just oof, I'll say over 40, but under 45. I think it's going to be right in there. I think it's going to be right in there, but that's a tough one. Uh, over under five receiving touchdowns for Ronnie Bell. God, I hate to be a wet blanket, but I'm just going to say kind of what you were echoing with the defensive line and the sack numbers. I'm going to say under. I think it's going to be spread out, but there is a very realistic world where he's wide receiver one and has seven touchdowns. But we one thing we've learned from Ronnie Bell is sometimes he can be allergic to the goal line. Yeah, I'm going to agree with under on there and not to like hate on Ronnie Bell just because there's a no. ton of weapons. I think JJ is going to run a lot of them in, um, alluding to the quarterback debate, which we'll get into in the second half or the end of this first half here. Um, all right. Over under 35 total points in the Iowa game when we play at Kinnick. God, this is such a depressing number. Um, I'm going to say under slightly. I think it's going to be probably a very boring game. I could see it being like 20 to three or like 24 to at six. I don't know how they're going to score points in this one, but uh, God, that game is just the, the hype and excitement level has plummeted. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go under as well. Uh, over or under 34 total team sacks. The number from last year. Oh, pound the over baby seven week one. We're going to get a million these next two weeks. Like we might break it by game six. Let's go. I've got that over there as well. Uh, over under 10 players drafted. Over would tie the record for the Michigan program. 
Under. Uh, I don't know how many players are going to go right now, but uh, recent early projections have not very many getting selected. Uh, I don't buy into that, especially this early on in the season. I'm still going to go under, though. Ten's high. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going a little long on this front half, so uh, you cool with moving the, the quarterback discussion to the back half? Oh, yeah. I'm always ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. All right, let's go with what we were wrong about. Uh, we weren't wrong about a ton, and like in this game, it's hard to say we were definitively wrong about anything, but I had a dream one night that Cade was going to be the guy for the season. This wasn't like a dream, like I dream of marrying Anna DeArmas on a on a beach somewhere, something small, just friends and family, because we don't want to make a big spectacle of it. Like that's a dream that I have that I want to happen. This was an actual dream that I had at night while I was asleep. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. And like we said, we're going to have a whole quarterback discussion here. I think I was wrong about that. Um, we, I was also wrong. You asked me, what will be the discussion after week one? I said it was, is Blake Corm the best running back in the nation? The discussion is now the defense, correct? 100% is the defense. And the Corm thing is so hard to take because he barely had any work and was pulled shortly thereafter. And also, shout out to you. I had no idea we we're going to detail your wet dreams about Anade Armas on today's podcast. Well, I mean, you're welcome for that. Just like a little <laughs> bit of an insight into what I think about when I'm not thinking about Michigan football. Um, yeah, and you're you're invited to that when the time comes, by the way. Probably my best man. Uh, <laughs> wrong about Mike Morris? Maybe. I mean, we what we said was we don't see him being some 10-sack guy at that size, but man, did he look good. This is one we were both very wrong about. I think I started the discussion with like the, when the weight was released at two, 292 pounds, but man, he moved exceptionally well, seemed every bit as powerful and explosive as last year. Uh, yeah, we were definitely wrong about that and happy to be wrong in this case. Yep. What we were right about, Mozzie Smith um, being perhaps the most dominant player on the line. I'd say I've, I still feel pretty good about that. Agreed. Yeah, dude, just let's rip them off. Eric all being a stud, uh, a Noma flying off the edge, Mikey Sainer still being a dog. Take your pick, what we were right about. Yep, uh, we were right about uh, Jesse Minter. You know, we we slowly got more confidence in Jesse Minter the more that we heard about it. I would say that Jesse Minter looks like he's picking right up there. Uh, Derek Moore being a guy, I would say we were right about that. Uh, Mason Graham, happy to take another victory lap there. So, I mean, I don't want to give us too much of a pat on the back for beating Colorado State, but just a couple things that we were we were harping on that look like they're going to be correct. Roman Wilson as well. Yeah, yeah, Roman Wilson was one. Uh, another one we could have been a little wrong about is just uh, some of the receivers. But I mean, again, the playbook was so limited, you didn't see yeah, AJ Henning and wide back sats. Like, yeah, you can't like take an L on that one yet. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, any pleasant surprises? from this game oh man uh colston loveland late in the game just getting a lot of work with his catch radius at tight end was super pleasant to see uh cj stokes another guy that comes to mind as a pleasant surprise like oh this is this is lovely we have a third down running back and even tavi dunlap looked good as the fourth running back so the running back depth was very very nice to see Yep, we already touched on Ayabe and Noma. We were kind of like, uh, he probably just comes in and pins his ears back on, and maybe that's still what he is. But man, does he look already like good to go as far as a contributor? Braden McGregor is probably the thing that was the biggest pleasant surprise to me. We were talking about how Noma probably pushes him down. Braden McGregor has an arsenal, or at least he's got that interior swim move that Hutchinson had. I have to imagine that he was just watching Hutchinson tape all off season. That looks really good. So that's a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, Colson Loveland, that's going to be a dude. Um, 
pleasant surprise for me was Harold. You've been on Harold. So uh, a little bit of a pat on the back to you. I was a little bit, you know, a little bit of trepidation there with Harold. But yeah, looks like a guy. Uh, any it's other just, pleasant surprises? Yeah, you can talk about uh, Michael Barrett or Khalil Mullings filling in at linebacker position with the absent Nakai Hill Green. Just, I mean, uh, RJ Moten picking up from last year, Makari Page yep. showing the explosiveness. And the player we probably like never mentioned because we never saw him is Jamon Green. I guess he was serviceable and excellent because he was always on the other side of the field in coverage doing his job. And the fact that we didn't hear his name is also a good thing. I'm with you. Any slight disappointments and all of these put an asterisk next to because we won 51 to seven. Exactly. It's a slight disappointment to Will Johnson getting smoked as a freshman. Like it's going to happen. Rod Moore did it. Just the growing pains. Like if anybody writes Will Johnson off after one play in his first collegiate game, just like call me up so I can call them ignorant to their face. Uh, just, but you know, you, you never want to see him go through that. Uh, another one, obviously I think the headliner here though is Cade McNamara. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I want to save that. We're going to do a whole quarterback section here. Uh, O-line, but I mean, what what are you going to do? You had two guys, one that started the game out and then Barnhart goes out in the game. Trente Jones got beat a couple times. There was only two tackles for loss, only one sack. Um, they can improve a little bit. I think even they would say that. I know that Harbaugh said something like that uh, right after the game. So yeah, they can, they can improve a little bit, especially since we expect this to be another Joe Moore-esque type of offensive line uh, and then play calling you can take either way I, I think that you and I are starting to think like probably a good thing you don't put too much on tape in these first couple weeks no not at all man I mean especially like you have all the revolving doors at offensive line you have Olu and Trente Jones first career starts at Michigan so it's just too much to really like take away from there and um, yeah no I mean you can't take too many negatives away from a 51 to 7 victory no, that's what I'm saying. Anything that you do, you're just nitpicking. And, you know, I mean, we don't want to sit here and just praise them the entire time. That's not really exciting podcasting. So, I mean, there's there's some things that need to be cleaned up. I would say that the offensive line, uh, obviously, the, the tests are going to stiffen as we, we go through this schedule. I mean, Iowa does have a good defense. And, I mean, probably going to spend eight to nine minutes just making fun of how bad their offense are in the second half of this pod. But uh, Michigan State looks better on the defensive line. Ohio State's improved defensively. So the, the O-line will have to steadily improve throughout the year, but I expect them to do that. Um, and then, yeah, uh, you, you know, the, everything else is is just nitpicking and nothing more than that. So and, uh, anything and else point, you want to please. Yeah, one point there on the offensive line as well is Colorado State's best player in the entire game was their defensive end. Like that guy was, I can't think of his name right now, but he was an absolute stud. He was very fast off the edge. He's a player that recorded the sack. So it's not like they were uh, giving up sacks to like, you know, a JV level player. He was their best player in the game through and through and continued to flash. So that was a good test for them. And they're, they're not all cut out thoroughbreds like that player. Exactly. Exactly. This is all nitpicking. It's 51 to seven. We covered the spread. Probably could have been even more than that if uh, if they really wanted to. I mean, they did go for it late in the game with the, the orgy touchdown on fourth down. But uh, that's something that we've seen Harbaugh do in the past. You know, he, he wants to get his guys live action reps. And, you know, we're, we're here for group efforts. Yeah, exactly. As a man that always enjoys seeing an orgy in the end zone, it was welcomed. <laughs> Absolutely, man. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll push this quarterback debate to the second half. Uh, I wanted to give that some room, so that's why I didn't want to kind of just shoehorn it, in, shoehorn it in here at the end. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Hawaii, what we saw around the Big Ten, a couple things that we're feeling better about, some things we know, 
some things that we need to see more of. We'll do that and more right after this. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, coming back. Still want to keep talking about what we saw in week one. And the most important thing, obviously, the discussion that is top of a lot of news cycles and probably being overstated, being as how this is something that happens literally every year. But because it's happening at Michigan, it's it's top of top of the news cycle. Everyone has an opinion on it. Most of them are wrong or just flat out bad. But J.J. McCarthy, uh, Cade McNamara, the debate rages on as was expected. Cade McNamara started. J.J. came in and the numbers on it. I've got them right here. Cade McNamara was nine of 18 in this game, 136 yards and a touchdown. If you take away the bubble screen, which I'm not here to do, this isn't an anti-Cade thing. It was 75 yards because the bubble screen was a one yard throw downfield out of the nine completions. Only two traveled longer than 10 yards in the red zone. He was one for six for four yards and no touchdowns. Um, or excuse me, no, the touchdown was in, in the red zone. JJ was four for four for 30 yards, three carries for 50 yards and one rushing touchdown. Uh, the quarterback QBR, Cade was a 39. JJ was like an 86. Don't know if those are official numbers yet, but those are pretty close. Pretty close as well to the numbers that you saw in QBR in the Georgia game. So this is going to keep moving forward. Cade did not seem too enthused to be asked about this in the post-game interview. And I mean, I get that. No one's going to be excited about someone to take coming to take their job. But where do we stand on this thing? Has your opinion shifted after one week of play? Or are you still kind of content to let this play out? I'm kind of sitting where Jim Harbaugh appears to be sitting. And it looks like he's waiting for somebody to win this job. Not him have to evaluate two performances. He's waiting for somebody to come up and take it. Seize the opportunity. And uh, first off, let's just get rid of um, anybody bringing up Cade's stats from the last three games last year. We went 2-1 and one and went to the playoff. As Jake Butt taught us last year on our podcast, do not write your narrative around the stats. Like You can use them as a reference for certain things, but they do not tell the whole story. Please use your eyes and evaluate the games. And Cade did not have his best game against Colorado State, but he was not terrible. He had a slow start. He eventually got into a rhythm, got his command back a little bit, uh, still showed the same limitations we've seen before, but also it was with limited play calling. So it was kind of like, you know, the governor was on the engine a little more than normal. And I think the real reason this debate is raging on is because of how bad his post-game interview came off. He just sounded kind of entitled, uh, upset about certain things. It was just it was not a good look. I think without that interview, if he just gives you the normal player quarterback captainy speak where it's like, you know, best man's going to win. I thought I put my uh, best foot forward today. I could have done a couple things better, but I'll improve upon it. Then it'd be a lot simpler. But because he did that, it sent everybody into a tailspin. And because of the overreaction that J.J. McCarthy's Instagram, what an outrageous statement that is. Uh, th this has become much more than it really is. 
Yeah. I mean, he did come off like a little bit sulky. I will say that. Like he was kind of a little bit down in that. And like, I I didn't expect it to be like this, but you know, being quarterback at a power five school is just different than any other job out there. And it's all going to come down to who can get wins, who can score touchdowns. You are directly comparing two guys with the exact same offense, the exact same Um, you know, things at their disposal, tools at their disposal, and who can get the ball into the end zone. And in this game, Cade McNamara did not have his best showing. Now you could say, well, I mean, it's getting to him. The competition's getting to him. All right. Well, I mean, we're playing at the second highest level that this game is played at. A lot of these guys are going to go on and play at the highest level that this game is played at. So you need to be able to move past that if you're going to be the starting quarterback. You were named a captain. And I, I really don't want it to sound like I'm I'm ragging on Cade for that because I get it. You shouldn't be happy that someone's coming for your job. But this is a team effort, and we need whoever is best for this team to win out in this job. And in one game, J.J. looked a little bit better. And, and Cade looked like he was – you could say that it is the, the competition getting to his head, but – those first two throws were flat out bad. That first series, we went three and out, and it didn't look good. And Cornelius Johnson is his guy. They didn't look to have any rhythm that carried over. No, and people were pointing to like the, the red zone throwaways. One of them was the smart football play. It was just brilliant by him to get the ball out of there. Nothing doing. The second one, though, RG3 even called it on the broadcast that he locked into his receiver, and he missed a wide-open guy in the end zone. And that seemed to be one of the themes of the day is that K would lock into one guy, first read, ball in. Like there was never looking to the second guy, never going to the third. Like his progression seemed very slow and just predetermined. And that's something we didn't see from him last season. And um, I think the biggest disappointment with Cade's performance as viewers was all we heard about in camp is it was his best camp. He played awesome. And this game just kind of felt like the Nebraska, the Rutgers game again. Like it all just felt like something Penn State, something we'd seen before in flashes. So it's like we're not really wowing us. He had the opportunity to just put a stranglehold really on this, put the pressure on J.J., and he kind of shrunk in the moment. And it was very disappointing to see because you and I don't have a dog in the fight. We just want what's best for Michigan. And if this is second best or first best, it was kind of a letdown. I have to agree with you there. The uh, almost interception to Eric All. Eric All did stumble on that and it got turned around, but he did lock into his guy on that one. And you're absolutely right about some of the, uh, the other reads there, some of the early throws being in the dirt. Um, and... To go pro JJ here, there was a play where he rolled out through the probably the best throw of the day to AJ Henning, who uh, cut out to the sidelines. That was probably going to be a sack on Cade McNamara. Um, you know, Trente Jones blew his coverage, and it looked like it was routine for JJ to elude that rush, move outside into the pocket, and complete that throw. So, as far as the best play from a quarterback of the day, that goes to JJ. Um, as far as red zone offense, that's clearly. JJ. Now, granted, it was later in the game. The game was pretty much already decided, so I'm not going to read too much into that. But your point about Cade having his best his best camp moving into this year, they said the same thing about Stetson Bennett, who a lot of people were like, oh, they're similar, Cade and Stetson Bennett last year. Stetson Bennett looked really good against Oregon. Looked like he took a step. I didn't see a leap from Cade. Like, we needed to see more than we saw from Cade last year. Now, and if JJ came out just the same as he came out last year, then Cade's winning that job. Cade got the first start because he's the incumbent. I think like by doing that, Jim Harbaugh is saying, look, it's your job to lose. And 
I don't know that he did anything to wow anyone in this game. And this is a tight competition, man. We said a couple weeks ago, it could come down to one turnover. It could come down to one or two scores in the red zone. I still firmly believe that. And, you know, it, you can't get down on yourself. If you're Cade McNamara, you're going to get to throw the ball probably quite a bit against Hawaii too. Uh, it might even go into week three against UConn, which is another glorified practice. But you got to make the most of your opportunities if you want to win this thing. That's just, he's putting it out there and he's saying we're rolling the balls out there. And like, it, it wasn't super impressive. Nine for 18. I mean, it was like a 39 quarterback QBR. Like, that's not great. No, that and that was what made the press conference so weird is like you just had the whole game, my guy. Like what what were you doing? And it was very strange the body language with both guys. So now I can speculate wildly. Uh McNamara just seemed uh, uncomfortable, just uh, a little tense, forcing the issue at times, and uh McCarthy seemed very relaxed, very confident the way he moved, the way he ran with the ball. He seemed very decisive with what he was doing, the way he was operating out there. And what you and I are hoping to see from McCarthy this week, if he's going to be the number one, is good decision-making, not careless with the ball. And if he can do that and extend the plays with his legs, it could be his job to lose after Hawaii, even though it's such an inferior opponent. I definitely would like to see them both get shots down the field. That is one thing we did not see in week one. Nobody. I mean, there was not a throw that I think traveled further than 12 yards downfield for either quarterback. So that is something that we need to see. Put that on tape. And I get you're trying to maybe not put a lot on tape just overall for the season against glorified practice squads. But we need to see who's actually, you know, developed some sort of chemistry with these receivers, uh, who can get through their progressions. I did not see much of Cade getting through his progressions. But to be fair, I didn't see a lot of JJ getting through his progressions. There's just not much on tape from that one week. So that's why I think this thing could go even further into the UConn game, potentially even into the Maryland game. You don't want it to go further than that because then we're going to Kinnick. So you need to decide it before then. But as of right now, I mean, it's it's tight and JJ has the edge. Pro Football Focus put up a, a vote. Who would you rather see? 3,400 respondents, 86% preferred JJ. That doesn't mean anything, but that gives you a little bit of an idea. And if you were on Twitter, you definitely have an idea of what the fan base is wanting right now. And I think you and I, like if you remove our Michigan analysts, I'm doing that in air quotes here, we 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 technically don't care. But I think if you asked us the fans, we're maybe leaning pro JJ because I thought we hit our ceiling last year. And if Cade didn't improve, then our ceiling is the exact same. There's the analogy in the movie Almost Famous where he has a hand open and a hand closed. And he tells you, you know, you see what you have in this hand, but you don't know what's in this hand. And everyone's always going to choose the closed hand because what it could be great. It could be this. I think that's the biggest narrative behind JJ is like, we've seen glimpses of the flashes, but we still don't know what this commodity is. It could be great. It could be the next step to the national championship. First one since 1997. So I think that's one of the biggest factors in all of this. And Cade was just, it was more of the same. And it's like, you wanted to see that step and it wasn't existent. So although it's a neck and neck race right now, but it's an opportunity this coming week for JJ to push ahead. Cade's also going to play in this game. Let's not forget that Cade will have his opportunities and we'll be going against second teamers more than likely. So he could shred them and also put up some stats. So I'm with you. I think this goes third week, maybe fourth week, but JJ has a chance to pull ahead now instead where he could have been playing catch up if Cade had been better against Colorado State. 
Yeah, exactly. For those that are like, this isn't fair to Cade. Like, Cade got the first go at it. 9 of 18 against Colorado State. I'm sorry, that's not impressive. Stetson Bennett, who was supposed to be a game manager type of quarterback as well, absolutely roasted Oregon. Oregon is a much better team than Colorado State. I'm sorry. They are. Yeah, and like, it, not to compare them, but it, it's it was like Cade took a step back rather than a step yeah. forward. And it was very fair to Cade in the beginning, too, because through the first seven series, he took every snap except for two. So it's not like they were rotating in every series or every other play. It was his team, just solely his team for those seven series. So it's like he had the opportunity to get a rhythm and do everything else. So I do not want to hear it was unfair. Additionally, I think that this offense will be not vanilla. Like it's going to be very, there's going to be a lot of looks that we throw out and a lot of things are going to change as the competition improves, but this is going to be a run first team. Primarily, this is going to be built around the offensive line and getting Corum and Edwards going. And if it's going to be just a dink and dunk team, which I'm not saying that it is, but assuming that it is going to be more things kept within 25 yards than things being pushed down the field. Well, J.J. could probably do that just as well as Cade. J.J. is not an inaccurate quarterback. J.J. doesn't spray the ball a ton. And then clearly J.J. adds an element with the legs that the other team's going to have to worry about. Now, J.J. needs to learn to slide for sure. Like he had that the longest run of the day right down the center of the field. Like you got to get down. Um, and, and he needs to, you know, clean up some other things as well. But if this is going to be mostly operating within 10 to 15 yards downfield, like what is Cade bringing to the table that JJ doesn't already have? And that should be things like ball security, accuracy, um, field generalship, which isn't a real thing, but you understand what I'm saying, yeah. like just leading the team out there. And, you know, if you're post game comments and you're sulking like that, like I shouldn't even be in this position. Like this is, this is college football, man. Like they benched Jalen hurts for Tua Tagovailoa in the national championship. It happens, bro. These things do happen, and that was just uh, – it's kind of unbecoming. I'm sure it was uh, squashed internally. We won't hear about that or see something like that again. And Cade just brings that experience and steady hand and leadership, and all of that's great, but you want to see a quarterback just a little more able to do things, threaten the defense, put more pressure on them, just allow you more opportunities because all that stuff is great and invaluable, but you need to see more on the field just besides the intangibles. And I would like to see uh, against Hawaii, you know, like we said, both quarterbacks are going to get some run. I'd like to see who these people have chemistry with, who both quarterbacks mm -hmm. have chemistry with. Obviously, Cade went to CJ the most. He had the most targets. Um, and that did not look like they had a lot of chemistry there. And that's not on CJ. Those were bad throws to CJ early on. Hit Roman Wilson for the 61-yarder, but that was all on Roman Wilson, Ronnie Bell. Um, Trente Jones got out there and made a good block on that one. It's hard for me to be like, way to go, Cade, on that deep bomb that you got to Roman Wilson. No, like you and I could have made that throw. So it's not over. They're both going to get plenty of opportunities against inferior opponents. I fully agree, and it sounds like we're both kind of lockstep there, that this probably continues into week three, which is another glorified practice against UConn. Um, Maryland, I think it's still like, you know, Maryland's got a pretty good offense, but their defense isn't scaring anyone. So you can probably expect to see both quarterbacks in that game. But then it's at Kinnick. And I want this thing settled by Kinnick personally. 
Yeah, I'm the same way. There needs to be one guy driving the car and you're locked in with him. Like he's going to take us wherever we want to go and it's got to be just decisive. That's what we want at that point. The schedule has afforded Michigan the luxury to play this game out and see how they both perform when the bullets are live. But yeah, we can't carry this on into Michigan State or anything further into that. Let's not be silly. No, no, it's got to be resolved by Michigan State. I'd like it resolved by Iowa, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about what we saw from Iowa. Uh, Any last thoughts on this quarterback competition? Uh, yeah, to, to be pro one guy does not mean you have to be negative the other. We're all Michigan yes. fans here. Like, let's just have w- the better guy win or take it over. Like, people attaching their personal belief to one player is so baffling and weird to me. Like, I like both guys a lot. And I just want the better one to play more. I don't get dunking on Cade. Like, there was a lot of that on Twitter. Yeah. Granted, Twitter isn't a real place. It's full of absolute trolls that hide behind pictures of Mel Tucker smoking a cigar and then want to talk tough. Like, all right, if you want to talk tough, use a picture of yourself. Use your real name. But no, you're not. So, like, if you're going to go on there and pretend to be a Michigan fan and dunk on Cade, like, bro, children that were conceived during our big 10 run are just being born. This wasn't that long ago. I know it because there's one of them that we need to offer an NIL deal for named Houston all like this wasn't that long ago. How can you forget what Cade McNamara did to this for this team? Do not dunk on Cade. If you want JJ, that's great. I kind of prefer JJ, but let us not forget what Cade McNamara did for this team. Yeah. And if Cade McNamara comes back and wins this job and starts slinging the rock like in a close game or just like gets his confidence and swagger back, then let's have Cade be the starter. I don't care. I just want to beat Ohio State, win Big Tens and win Natties. Just trying to win games, baby. All right, let's take a quick sponsor break and then we got a lot more we want to talk about. Support for Out of the Blue is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Their performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 10 million balls. Look, as someone who himself is not dissimilar from a noble forest state when it comes to the scraggly nature of their nether regions, I understand the importance of a good and a safe trim. And the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. The Lawnmower 4.0, first off, the trimmer of the future and grooming, dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose, Ear, and Hair Trimmer. Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in a free gift to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MNB20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. 
20% off shipping and at manscaped.com. Use the code MNB20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, coming back. Week two, uh, we've got Hawaii. But before we get into that, uh, let's talk about what we know from around the Big Ten and more. What did you see around the Big Ten that you can say you're absolutely sure of after week one, which probably shouldn't be a lot, but maybe there's some stuff out there that you learned. Boy, does Iowa's offense suck. (laughs) (laughs) It is. That was not great. Brian Ferentz is the most hated person in all of Iowa. It was awful. Their punter's really good. I can also say that with confidence. The guy was a complete stud putting like five punts inside the 10, but my God, what an eyesore of an offensive showing that game was between them and South Dakota State. Yeah, we're not losing to Iowa and Kinnick this time unless they like make a complete shift with their offense. That was atrocious. was not a good opponent. I think it wasn't an FCS opponent. FCS powerhouse. We know how those go. That's true. That's true. But I mean, to only score seven and to not have a touchdown, that's two safeties and a field goal, mind you. Uh, That was really, really atrocious. They averaged 1.6 yards per carry. Iowa has now won six times when they punt more than eight times, and that's going back to 2020. No other team has won more than twice when doing that. That's per Matt Benson on Twitter. Um, It is just a level of atrociousness. Spencer Petras looks like he should be picking his kids up from swimming lessons and not being a quarterback of of a Big Ten team. I'm not buying that team. I'm just really not. I don't care that it's at Kinnick. That looks like uh, the the odds should have shifted for that. And you and I were like, oh, you know, we don't usually do too well at Kinnick. I think that we've completely changed our outlook on that. Oh, yeah. you. We were 100% in on the defense, and the defense did look good. But like we thought they were going to be a good team with all the returning starters, fresh off the Big Ten appearance. Kirk Ferentz has been there since the Clinton administration, I'm pretty sure. Not even a joke. And But no, that was just a, that was a terrible game to watch, man. And uh, another thing I'm sure of is I'm not going to – you have a great joke written in here. I'm going to let you read it, so I'll give you the segue. Scott Frost is determined to lose his job this year. He 100% is. I mean, doing another, he he goes up again in the third quarter by seven and does yet another onside and fails. Now, granted, that one didn't end up biting him. They did end up pulling away late, but they were in a dogfight against, what was it, North Dakota in that one? Again, another, you know, FCS opponent that's got some skill and they've been together for a while, but he's determined. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw that out there. Uh, James Franklin is just Scott Frost on a better chassis, you know, like they sometimes will uh, they'll put out a new car, but it's just the exact same car. They're like, yeah, we've got the Hummer H3, but it's really just like uh, a Toyota RAV4, you know, chassis. And then they threw a bunch of bells and whistles on it. That's James Franklin. He's not that different from Scott Frost. They're both bad coaches. I don't buy either of them. Uh, James Franklin just costs a lot more. But Scott Frost is going to lose his job. I cannot believe some of the decisions that he makes in-game. Yeah, Nebraska, we already dunked on them last week. But James Franklin and Penn State, happy to dunk all over them. Purdue should have won that game. Jeff Braun had it, man. Yeah, Jeff Braun's late-game play calling left a lot to be desired. But Scott Frost calls games like he's playing Madden after striking out at the bar. Just like all over the place, just (laughs) angry. (laughs) angry at something I don't know what's going on with him but uh, no I kind of like Purdue's one of those teams where I don't know if I just have like a soft spot for him because of like their history of always being mediocre never getting over the hump I like Jeff Brom uh I like their stadium love the black jerseys so I really wanted to see him beat Penn State because you know 
anti-James Franklin until I die, but yep. they really blew that one late. Yeah, we are not James Franklin believers on this podcast. Until this podcast goes off air, we're going to probably ride with that. Um, things that I think I know, I think Ohio State and Michigan are the top tier. The next tier is Wisconsin, Michigan State. Then I think it drops off again to like your Minnesota, Purdue, Penn States. Uh, and then there's another big drop off. I don't know that the Big Ten is as strong as it's been in years past. Good win for Rutgers over BC. That was kind of the one upset win that we had. But it looks to me like there's some tiers being established here, at least for this year. Uh, I know Michigan State, like, they they have the – this is going to make me throw up to say it. But they do have, like, the foundation to, to climb to that top tier. And they beat us last year fair and square. But there's no Kenneth Walker on that team this year. There's no Kenneth Walker. They almost choked an 18-point lead to Western Michigan. So, again, things like that are pleasant to see, and we're going to see them tested again uh, against Michael Penix, I believe, right, in Washington? Oh, is is the Penix there? Uh, yeah, yeah, the Penix is up there slinging the pill around, I think. So, that'll be good to watch them. Uh, Ohio State, oh, my God, it's so shocking. They're feeling the loss of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Who could have predicted that? So that was pleasant to see. The offensive line's a little weaker with the Buckeyes. But again, it's still Ohio State, still Michigan State, still going to be rock fights. Right, exactly. And I mean, early season results, the the, the teams are going to be different by the time we play them. So I don't want to read too much into it. Uh, Twitter loves going after, well, who's a better opponent, Colorado State or Western Michigan? It doesn't matter. Let's let's save our energy. (laughs) Who cares? We're going to play each other. It's October 29th. We're going to be there. By the way, that's going to be the tailgate of all tailgates. So uh, just be ready for that. We're going to make that one happen. Bring in a fresh paint of a fresh can of Sherwin Williams paint with me. So, you know, it's getting rowdy. Absolutely. Illinois, Indiana had a thriller. Uh, Indiana had 70 yards in the second half and then 75 on the go ahead drive. Uh, Tom Allen. I'm just not a Tom Allen guy. Looks like he says daggum. Looks like he uh, says Geronimo (laughs) before he jumps into the pool. Looks like he says knock, knock as he opens the door. Like he's the human equivalent of the Howard Dean yeehaw yell. Um, you know, give me the rib master every time, but the rib master kind of blew that one. <laughs> Damn, that was, that was solid work on your behalf. So great, just great job. That was great. Um, completely agree. Just has one of those faces. And uh, yeah, I think Bielema was looking too forward to Labor Day weekend, you know, firing up the, the, <laughs> the trigger grill, getting ready for a company to come over, the in-laws, a uh, little meet the neighbors. So I think he was looking ahead and the offense man just fell apart. Yeah, Bielma didn't miss many uh, grill grill uh, cookouts over the summer, too, by the look of it. I mean, Bielma put on a good 20 to 30 pounds, and as he should. I mean, that's a man that knows Barrel his way around. Chested. Barrel-chested, yeah. When you read like a Game of Thrones book, and like he was described as barrel-chested. Well, just take a peek. Take a look at Brett Bielman if you want to know what they're talking about. That is a barrel-chested man. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's move back to Michigan here. We've got Hawaii next week. Should be pushovers. Travel in six time zones to come play us at night after getting absolutely molly-whopped. Uh, the, the spread opened up at 46 and quickly jumped to 50. Uh, and last year, I, I was able to, to win some good money on these early spreads. I think they maybe figured it out in Vegas. They set this one as a monster spread. Uh, the highest spread in the history of the program. So uh, I don't think they were setting lines that are fielding Yost currently as of right now. The spread is 51. It's still climbing on DraftKings. It is absurd, but here's 
am I crazy? Um, we cover this, right? I mean, at 46, I had it at covering. At 50, it's getting to the point where, I mean, we're going to have Alan Bowman and Alex Orgy in this thing. So it's like, you, then you're trying to guess how many points Orgy and Bowman put on the board. And like, we're big fans of group efforts here, but that that's a little rich for my blood. That's not my lock of the week. I would say, yeah, if I had to say, I'd say still cover, but I'm not going to say put your money on it like I did last week where, you know, I'd put my reputation to it. I'm not putting my reputation to a 50 point spread. It's so tough. Honestly, we could, we could realistically hang like 45 in the first half. Like Hawaii is abysmal. They're the worst team in FBS. I feel very confident saying that Timmy Chang has his hands full with uh, the rebuild there. And it's going to be ugly. And you're going to tell me you're not going to bet on Bowman and Greg Crippen, the center quarterback combo we all deserve in the third quarter, putting up points. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll throw a little bit on it. I'm not like putting the house on it because um, that's just a monster number. But gosh, I mean, you're absolutely right. Hawaii is really bad. I mean, look what Georgia did to Oregon. They scored on their first seven drives. Seven drives, seven touchdowns. Like So it is going to be like that level of bad. I don't think they're going to be able to stop us in any way, shape or form. We're not going to break down this game because that's like breaking down a fist fight between Mike Tyson and a toddler. But I mean, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be bad. It's, I mean, it's, it's going, I think it could be worse than the last time we played Hawaii in 2016 when we beat him 63 to three, like it could be worse than that. And I right, quick, quick hit for you. Most random player to score a touchdown in this game. Uh, Colston Loveland. Uh, oh no, it's Peyton O'Leary time, baby. Give me Peyton O'Leary. Yes, that is the right answer. Peyton O'Leary or Isaiah Gash would also have been acceptable. Isaiah Gash. Yeah, we would accept that. I think CJ Stokes get in there. A uh, little CJ Stokes aside here. I'm excited about CJ Stokes. That dude looks electric. Wasn't he like a three-star running back recruit too? Dude, he looks fast. He looks really That's fast. Yeah, he had that um, uh, like a redraw with McCarthy, and he just like burst through. I was like, "Oh, oh, he's got that gear." It would I mean he looked awesome. Yeah, I mean, we were big Tavi Dunlap guys in the off season, but I mean, like we said last week, I think that him over overtaking Tavi Dunlap is a good thing. Not like, oh boy, what's happening with the running back room? Like, it looks like we've got three and. I will say, though, man, not having just like an absolute physical bruiser like Hassan Haskins. Like, come on, man. We 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 need to recruit somebody like that every year. Like, I, I do miss that. I miss Hassan Haskins. We could have a better season overall. I still enjoyed Hassan Haskins so damn much last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hassan Haskins don't grow on trees. And don't forget, C.J. Stokes' other offers for college were Missouri, Vanderbilt, Appalachian State, and your alma mater, Colorado. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, glad that he arrived there. I mean, we set the over under at 300 yards. I'm, I'm pounding the over right now. I think CJ Stokes get over, gets over 300 yards on the season. Most absurd stat to come from the game against Hawaii this weekend. Uh, I will say tackles for loss. We're going to go over 10. So last week we had what? 11 or 12 mm -hmm. tackles for loss. How about 20 tackles for loss, which would be insane. I don't know that we've ever had 20 in a game. 20 tackles for loss. I love it. I'm going to say over 10 sacks in this game. I think it's just going to be just full force. I mean, overwhelm them every play. 
I absolutely love it. This is going to be a brutality. I feel bad for Hawaii. Um, I think Kent State maybe is the only other team that's like done themselves more of a disservice in their scheduling. But why? I, I get it. Like it's for the bag. There, we're paying them to come to us. But to travel that far to play Michigan at night, like your players are just going to be humiliated from this. Six time zones. They got embarrassed at home by 60, I believe, by Vanderbilt in Hawaii. So now they have to come to Ann Arbor, play here at night under the lights. It's just, it's a tall ask for anybody, but especially for a team rebuilding in the position that Hawaii is in. It's, I mean, take your prop bets, pump them all up, pound the overs on a lot of different things because this one is going to be um, biblical, to quote Harbaugh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love that John Harbaugh sent a text explaining what Jim Harbaugh meant to Robert Griffin III during the game, too. Hell yeah. I absolutely love that. And uh, uh, I am not a Bible reader, Um, you know, props to those who are. But I believe that the quote from the Bible was, plant two seeds, water them equally, and see which one grows. Great reference. It was awesome. And it makes sense. So thank you, John Harbaugh, for clearing up your brother. I would do the same for you, sir. If they're out here like misconstruing your quotes and making you look like an idiot, I'd be like, no, hold the damn phone. Calling in right now. I'm calling into the program. And like, how great is it that his brothers just like got everybody on the line? Like, hang on, who is that? Robert Griffin the third? Yeah, I've got his number in here somewhere. <laughs> Set the record straight here. No problems. Who's that? Greg McElroy? Was that John Madden? Yeah, no problem. I got his number pulls them all up. That was awesome. And yeah, so this weekend we're going to see each seed be watered equally against Hawaii. And there's going to be some absurd stats to come out of this. And I'm excited, man. It's a great time to be a Michigan fan. We just hung a 44 burger victory against Colorado state. And then we might hang a 60 or 70 on Hawaii this weekend. Oh, does one more prop for you. It took Colorado state until two minutes to go in the first half to cross the 50. Does Hawaii cross the 50? If they do, it's by some like accidental happenstance. I will say no. I will say they do not because we're going to have our starters in. Like Colson was playing well into the third. No, like so long as our starters are out there, they're in deep, deep trouble. Mozzie Smith might actually kill a man. <laughs> at least eat somebody. I mean, if he comes in with a strong appetite, like he might just look at him the wrong way. Like, I'm going to eat this, this guard. Like, you know what? I skipped breakfast today. This guard looks mighty tasty. It might come to that. Yeah, I will say no. I don't think they cross the 50 until the third quarter, which is insanity. But hey, look, man, we're in a great spot because we were covering this team in 2017 and 18, 17 in particular, in 20, 2020, where we were like just as low as we could be. And now we're like saying things like, will they cross the 50? Great place to be. Yeah, 2020, you're like, Andy, Andy, focus, stop staring at the knives. You don't, don't do this. So we've come a lot further and a lot better in a lot better place now. So uh, let's get into the game a little bit, man. Uh, Players of the game. um, Who do you have? Score prediction. (laughs) Uh, Players of the game. Everyone that does anything with the first team offense. I mean, this is, let's go JJ. I think JJ is going to just score on his first. If JJ goes four touchdowns in four series, he might sit. And then that could be the end of the quarterback competition. I kind of think it's going to be like that. Like with, with JJ, does he, did he look faster to you, by the way, last week? Like, like the game has slowed down a little bit for him, maybe? He was moving out there, man, just jet setting. So, yeah, I'm with you. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be JJ. I think they go four for four um, or maybe five for five even, and then it's Cade McNamara time, and then it's Bowman, and then it's Orgy. But yeah, if JJ does that, he could win it here, But which would feel a little bit unfair because of how inferior of opponent this is. So I'll go JJ, I'll go Olu, I'll go the starting offensive line. Um, Donovan Edwards, I'd like to see uh, catch a pass. That'd be neat. Ronnie Bell, I, let's get the Ronnie Bell touchdown. Can we get that this week? That'd be nice. Um, on defense, take your pick. Um, I'm going to get weird with it. Derek Moore. I I love that. I love the Derek Moore pick. Uh, defensively, I'll go um, I'll go RJ Moten. Just, you know, mix it up a little bit. Again, take your pick of the starters. Offensively, I'm going to go Blake Corum. I can see him easily just, like, taking home, like, cribbing two by his first carries to the end zone, especially when the offensive line want to set the tone and clear the runway. Uh, is the first half of this game closer than Michigan State Ohio State last year? What was it at the at the half? Forty nine to nothing at the half. Yes. Oh my god! I will say it's closer than that. I cannot believe they got up forty nine to nothing in a half. That is atrocious. I'll say it's closer than that. I'll say at the half it's uh, thirty five nothing. 42 nothing maybe, but not 49. That's aggressive. <laughs> in that game where the game mattered, they just got smacked and gave Kenneth Walker like four carries. Uh, yeah, I think it's closer than that too. I think it's like 35, you know, that range would be safe. And then the second half, I think they get it to 50 or so, and you know, take the foot off the gas pedal. No need to be cruel to a team coming all the way here. No, no need. Uh, I would be okay with a shutout, though. Get the shutout streak yes. going. Plus, I mean, this stuff does end up at the end of the season. Uh, when I was doing my piece, like kind of ranking the defenses, you know, at the end of the year, this is going to play into who was the best defense, even though that touchdown that Will Johnson gave up was a completely meaningless touchdown. Um, you know, it, it does still count towards your overall score. So let's get the shutout. I want the shutout. I want 70 to nothing. That'd be great. Bring it back to 2016, full circle, 77 to nothing, like against Rutgers. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Like, I want the shutout. 11 touchdowns would be lovely. Like, let's match or exceed what we did against Rutgers. So I'll go 70 to nothing for my score prediction. I'll never forget in that game at one point, Harbaugh faked an extra point and went for two to make like like 38 to nothing or something like that. It's like, what's the point but i mean hey why'd you go for two because i couldn't go for three yeah i mean they went for it on fourth with alex orgy when we were up by like five scores like harpo doesn't care like the man's trying to improve week in and week out doesn't care about optics what's the number one narrative coming out of this week all right so i messed this up last time you asked me i said it was going to be blake quorum the number one narrative coming out of this week is All right. Give me, give me one second. Um, Is Michigan with JJ McCarthy, the biggest threat to Alabama and Georgia in the country? Oh, I like that. I mean, the stat line here could be absurd. And I think people were really going to run with that. So I think that's up there. And I also think another one coming out of this is, could this be the best defensive line at Michigan ever? (laughs) 
I mean, people are talking. And if some of the numbers continue, like we talked about the 12 tackles for losses and seven sacks, if you extrapolate that, you're you're absolutely destroying records at Michigan. And even if like just with these first three cakewalks and then Maryland, um, who's not a cakewalk, but we're, we're probably going to beat Maryland as well. The numbers could seem like a little bit uh, inflated, but nonetheless, they're going to end up being by, you know, just broadcasting and forecasting this out. They're going to end up being just like what you're describing, like best ever type of stuff. So I don't think it's hyperbole what you're saying right now. No, and we say best storylines because they can be inflated and exaggerated in the moment and people run away with them, but that's the point of the exercise. Like, what is what is the big narrative going to be coming out of this right, wrong, in between, inflated, deflated, whatever it's going to be? And if they put up 10 sacks and 20 tackles for losses, well, you can bet your ass that'll be a story. Let's go. I mean, already people are saying Ohio State's a shoe-in for the playoff and Michigan is, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what they're saying. I mean, Ryan Rosillo, big cat. I listened to that podcast and they did not believe in what Michigan did last year. But if we get JJ McCarthy going and we have like a game changer at that position, I think that'll start to shift the, the narrative and it'll start out as like, is Michigan a bigger threat to Ohio state than we initially thought? And then come time when it's 11 and zero going into Columbus, they're going to be like, is Michigan actually the biggest threat? to the big dogs you know everybody's trying to catch alabama georgia we get that we'll see about clemson i'm not a believer yet but i mean clearly we know who's at the top of the pyramid and i i think michigan should be there this year obviously we're really close to this and we're homers but look i mean this is a deep deep team score prediction for hawaii oh 70 to nothing i told you already what do you got oh nice i'm gonna kind of echo that i'm gonna go 70 Two to nothing. Don't really know how they get there off the top of my head, but just going to go slightly over like we're playing the prices right. Just so if they score like 80, I can be like, I was closer. Have we ever had a score prediction that absurd? Never. No, I'm already going to answer that for you. We've never predicted 70 to nothing. I mean, I say a lot of things worthy of a glue sniffer, but I've never said that. Yeah, you might think that we're over here taking peyote, but like, I don't think we're going to be far off. We were pretty close the first week. We were really good on our first predictions. Oh, yeah. I think I had 44-7, and so it was 51-7. So I was like, yeah, we were right in our wheelhouse there. We've been really good on our predictions the last two years. Yeah. I mean, if you're betting with us, if you bet with us last year, you won money. If you're betting with us this year, you're probably going to win money. Although my lock of the week is not Michigan. My lock of the week this week is Alabama uh, minus 19 versus Texas. Oh, yeah. Will Anderson's going to eat. Bryce Young is a stud superstar. And Texas is Texas. I'm not going to ever bet on Texas or Steve Sarkeesian. So, no. I'm not buying that. And, like, early in the season, you can get some good lines because they're like, well, maybe Texas is good this year. They're not. And they're <laughs> definitely not Alabama good. Dude, Quinn Ewers is going to be seeing ghosts on the field. He's going to have no idea what a creature like Will Anderson is on the outside rushing him. No, no, that's my lock of the week. So if you bet with us last week um, and you're up, that's the one that I got. I do think Michigan will cover, but that's dicey. 50 points is crazy because by the end, we might be playing people like they might just be pulling in people from the first row of the stands. Let's go, baby. Put me in. I could be a serviceable left tackle. I mean, I would get pummeled by Hawaii's six best linemen, but still put me in. Nonetheless, but I mean, all you got to do is just hold them up for like a second just kind of inconvenience him. 
<laughs> Sir, I'm 5'10". I have a hard enough time fighting gravity, let alone a fellow football player. <laughs> I mean, that, maybe you got to negotiate with him on his path to the quarterback. Wait, 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 wait. I have a riddle for you. Answer me this riddle and then you can pass. It's a better, it's a better strategy, but yeah, man, I can't wait. Uh, I love the direction this team's heading. Love the momentum. Uh, loved all the fan interactions we've been having on Twitter. Uh, our listeners are fantastic. Can't wait to hang out and meet some of you all in person. October 29th, mark the whole day off. You're going to need it. Uh, it's going to be a great time and yeah, man, it's going to be a great season. Absolutely, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, echo what you just said there about our listeners. Uh, shout out to, to Jimbo. Shout out to Armchair QBUM, the people that uh, that have been echoing some of the sentiments that we've had. You guys are great. We're going to have a great season. Continuing to interact with you guys. I will be at the UConn game. I will be at the Maryland game. Penn State game is the one that I'm trying to make happen. But the big one, as you mentioned, and I will echo, Michigan State game. That's the one we're going to, we're going to plan something big. Um, you know, we'd say we're going to drink a lot, but I think you and I are so going to be so locked in for that game that it's more likely that we're just like mainlining coffee and like sniffing smelling salts, like to get ready for that one. Cause that's a big one. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be an awesome year and I want to see as much as I can and interact with as many Michigan fans as I can. And, God bless it all, man. It's good to be in this position rather than like, man, I hope we can get past Rutgers. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. And um, speaking of Rutgers, we we owe Michigan State that weekend too because Rutgers has a more recent victory over the Spartans than we do. And I'm sick of that. Yeah, that makes me sick. I mean, look, everyone knows what happened in the COVID year doesn't really count, but to them it does. You better believe that they're using that as as a victory, and they're they're saying how you know Jim Harbaugh can't get past Mel Tucker. And if I see one more image of some guy talking smack with a picture of somebody that's not them, that's Mel Tucker smoking a cigar, I'm gonna lose my shit. <laughs> It's uh, all the week leading up to that with the bye week before the Michigan State game is going to be Twitter warfare, and I can't wait. So it makes football fun and exciting and so silly. I'm here for it. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.